Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we read from Psalm 57. To the choir master, according to Do Not Destroy, a mictum of David when he fled from Saul in the cave. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills His purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame Him who tramples on me. Salah. God will send out His steadfast love and His faithfulness. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. They set a net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my way, but they have fallen into it themselves. Salah. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my glory, awake, O harp and lyre, I will awake the dawn. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. And yes, you probably caught that repetition there. Verse 5 and verse 11 match each other in the text, uh, almost like halfway through the psalm and then at the end, uh, a bit of a refrain for it, perhaps. Now, this hymn is introed a little bit. We know the choir master received it and was to use it according to Do Not Destroy. That seems to be the idea of some kind of a tune that he would use this song to, uh, to sing it. It is a mictum, a type of psalm, although we don't really know. Psalms 16, 56 through 60 as well, are the only ones described with this word. But contextually, we do know that this occurs as David flees from King Saul who sought to put him to death. This is 1 Samuel Chapter 22, really, that David hides in the cave of Adullam. This is where Saul goes in to relieve himself, and David is hiding in the cave and is able to come up, sneaking up on the king, cut off a corner of his robe, instead of taking his life. And as Saul leaves the cave, David follows him out and shares with him this idea that he could have killed him but spared him. He has no evil intent against the king, so why does the king seek his life? That's our context. And so as David is there, as he's hiding from Saul, he prays to the Lord, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. Mercy. That is when God spares us from what we deserve. So we deserve death because of our sins. We deserve God's wrath because we've rebelled against him. 
And yet he does not give us those things. He gives us instead his forgiveness in Christ. And David prays in this moment of darkness in his life for God's mercy, that the Lord would not judge him but rescue him. Because in God, David finds refuge, shelter, hope. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge. Picturing the Lord like a bird uh, with large wings that he can spread over and thus protect his young, his own. This is the way Jesus speaks in Matthew 23 as he mourns over the city of Jerusalem, wishing that he could have gathered them to himself, but they were not willing. I cry out to God most high. Prayer. David's praying. That's what the Psalms are. Every one of them is a prayer to God. To God who fulfills his purpose for me. It could be a spot to stop and have a family conversation. What is God's purpose for me, for you, for dads and moms, husbands and wives, children? What does the Lord intend for us? And the chief, the foremost of these, is that you are the child of God. A child of God. A part of his family. And his purpose is that you would be with him where he is. Christ has died for you. Christ has risen for you. Your sins are forgiven and you have life in him. This is such good news. If we were to push for a further purpose, in the meantime, in the present, as we await paradise, it is that we would love and serve our neighbor. I mean, this is what Jesus will say in Matthew 22, that our purpose is twofold as he summarizes the Ten Commandments to the first and second tables of the law. Love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. God works through us in order to care for our neighbors in this place. But that primary purpose, just as it is for David, is God's salvation. That's what David gets into in verse 3. He will send from heaven and save me. Jesus, right? He's going to send and rescue. And he has. He will put to shame him who tramples on me. We can easily see that as sin, death, and the devil that seek to destroy us. And yet again, Jesus has already rescued, already redeemed us. Now David, in part, looking at this with Saul in mind, that the Lord would rescue him, redeem him from an enemy that seeks to kill him. And God will, in time, continue to deliver David from this enemy also. My soul is in the midst of lions. I lie down amid fiery beasts. That's a really interesting phrase. What fiery beasts are there? What kind of cave is he in? Now, there is a legitimate possibility to that, a little doubtful perhaps, but the lions, we think of Daniel being cast into the lion's den. Dragons really do seem to have been real creatures. Uh, Someday, if you'd like, uh, reach out and I'll help you explore some of the scriptures that seem to be talking about dragons. I also I think it's fascinating that almost any ancient culture of the world, before they had the ability to have communication with each other like we do today, like if I want to reach out to somebody in China, I can get a hold of them today. It wasn't that way in the ancient world. And yet every culture, pretty much every culture, seemed to have had stories about dragons. The easiest way to explain that would be if dragons actually used to exist. And that they just, like the dinosaurs, don't anymore. That they've died off. That would be 
another way to read verse 4, perhaps. Maybe the, the easiest would be to say that he is simply emphasizing, exaggerating, perhaps, would be another way to say it, uh, the threat of his enemy against him. That there are those who seek his life. He's trapped. The children of man whose teeth are spears and arrows. Saul and his army seeking to take his life. However, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. To exalt is to lift up. Glory is what makes you lift it up. So they go together. Very easy word pairing. God is lifted up above all things because he is God. And he has redeemed, he has rescued, he has saved, he has created, he has loved. Whatever it is that we want to focus on, the Lord is to be lifted up and worthy of our praise. And so David praises him. He reflects in verse 6 now that the enemy has set a trap for him, humbled him. My soul was bowed down. Humiliated, right? To live in a cave when you're the king of Israel. But the Lord provides. David's enemies have dug a pit, but fallen into it themselves. This might be a recognition that the Lord avenges, that the Lord brings justice against the enemies of his people. That would be Romans chapter 12 for us, by the way, that we are not to seek vengeance for ourselves, but it is the Lord, the Lord who gets vengeance. We are to love our enemy. So David says, my heart is steadfast. He seeks to remain faithful to God in the midst of even the tragedy that is going on as he's on the run for his very life. What will he do? He's going to sing to God. He's going to make melody. He's going to praise the Lord even in the darkness. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. This is true also for us. This is a darkened world. It will only grow eviler. That's 2 Timothy 3, verses 12 and 13. It will only grow worse until Christ returns. We should not expect things to improve as sin multiplies. Christ has promised to return soon. Pray for it. Sing, praise his holy name, and invite Christ to keep that promise he made in Revelation 22 that he was surely coming soon, for he is. So, awake, my glory. Awake, O harp and lyre, I will awake the dawn. Music, musical instruments. He's going to awake the dawn. It's like the the rooster crowing in the morning. David's going to sing his way through the night. So that even when dawn comes, David is still singing. Awake my glory is a little bit harder of a phrase. But the glory of David would be his king. It would be God himself. So he's singing God's praise. He's calling the Lord to, to pay attention to his, his, his praise and his prayer. For David will give thanks, verse 9. Thanks to God among all the peoples. Sing his praises among the nations that they may know David is going to spread the good news of who God is and what God has done for him, just as you and I get to do as Christians today, because we know who Jesus is and we know what he has done for us. 
King David wrote many hymns, at least 73 out of the 150. Uh, It's possible, I suppose, he wrote a few more. Uh, There are some that are not labeled as to who wrote them for us. But 73 puts him at almost half, just a couple short. Now, a family conversation here, since we're talking about all the hymns of David. What are your family's favorite psalms? Or, uh, what are your favorite hymns? As we talk about the, the music that we sing to praise God as well. For your steadfast love, verse 10, is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. God has been faithful to us. He has provided, he cares, he remains There's a bit of a mirroring to verse 3. God will send his steadfast love and faithfulness. Here we have steadfast love and faithfulness from God again. His love is unconditional. He loves us no matter what, and he provides. So again, verse 11, a refrain here repeated from verse 5, singing God's praise that he would be lifted up over all the earth for all that he has done to save us, to redeem us as his people. 